Hey, everybody. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbV. In each episode, Nora has a real conversation with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they took action to understand this disease. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start Embracing the Journey and learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hello and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. There's JJ, brand new guest producer. We've got this revolving door going on that's just like uh, uh, beautiful. And uh, this is Short Stuff. Yeah. JJ's, uh, he's a pro, though. Like, it's not like you can just show up here and right. take a ticket like you're at the deli. No, no, nothing like that. <laughs> this isn't this isn't Katz's deli, no. although I'd, I'd be pretty happy if it was. Nor is it Dr. Katz's uh, therapy office. Anytime I hear of Dr. Katz, I think of, um, I think it was Dom Herrera. He used to be a regular on that. <laughs> yeah, and he used to go like, Dr. Katz, cha-cha-cha. <laughs> And it's always, it's been in my head since like 1993. Oh man, Dr. Katz was great. I miss it. It really was. Let's go watch some after this, okay? All right, but let's talk about Cord of Roy first. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. That's fine. We can talk about that. Because you see him wearing it in honor of today. I know you're wearing some rust-colored corduroy pants that Mm -hmm. I would say are maybe a, probably about a 12, 10 to 12 whale. Yeah, because maybe the, eight. <laughs> I, I, they're pretty standard Levi's cords, whatever that whale is. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, we'll tell you here in a minute after we get to a little bit of the the history here, which is debatable, apparently. It is. Because it's either French in origin, uh, Corda du Roy, the king's cord. Mm-hmm. But my money is a little more toward what the Brooks brothers say, which is no, mate. It was street streetwear in 18th century England. I don't think the Brooks Brothers sound like that. No? What do they sound like? Uh, oh, really? <laughs> I can just think of Albert Brooks and uh, Super Dave Osborne as the Brooks Brothers. Oh, that's good. Why Dave Osborne? He's not a Brooks, is he? Uh, they're brothers, man. Believe it or no. not. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> is that great? Wow. Yeah. Man, their parents must have been really cool. <laughs> Probably so. Okay, so either way, what we're really talking about here is where the origin of the name for the fabric came from. It looks, Chuck, like corduroy has its roots way further back than that, and that it comes from possibly and probably a type of fabric from dating back to about 200 CE, back in ancient Egypt, Mm -hmm. called um, fustians, named after the city where they were made, uh, Al-Fustat, which is, I think, fustian is still actually a term for certain types of corduroy or certain types of fabric, including corduroy, that are real thick and squishy, and, and originally they were pretty coarse. Yeah, but that Brooks Brothers story has a lot of credibility because the word cord, uh, referencing the the rows, the sure. ridges, the cords. Yeah. Which makes sense. And Duroy, which is a wool fabric. Right. That sounds like a pretty open and shut case to me, no? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, no, I'm with you. I'm going with the Brooks Brothers um, interpretation, too. It was really just the um, the the, in, the impression you did that I had an issue with. Oh. 
Okay. But, <laughs> but the again, fabric itself, you think, that is Egyptian uh, or Middle Ages and then uh, later Egyptian. No. So so it was Egyptian first, but it was um, – it, it it wasn't corded. There weren't whales on it. It was just one thick piece of like velvet kind of, right? Where you have a certain kind of fabric and then woven on top of that fabric is it uh, the fabric that makes it kind of plushier, thicker, um, sturdier. And that is what corduroy is at its at its base. Um, and then that's what they were making for many, many centuries. And then finally, at some point during the Middle Ages, somebody said, hey, I've got a really good idea about this. Let's turn this into corduroy by cutting rows into this stuff. Right. What we do know in the United States is that it was first made in Worcester, Mass. in about 1780. Uh-huh. And uh, I do need to shout out Corduroy the Bear here because sure. not only is it does it appear in this How Stuff Works uh, short article mm-hmm. on Corduroy, but I have a pretty great Corduroy the Bear history, which was I loved that book a yep. lot as a kid. Sure. Did you? Uh, I was aware of it, but I think okay. it was a little ahead of my time. Okay. <laughs> I think it was ahead of my time, too. I mean, it, uh, I think it predates me. But I love the story, and my mom uh, made – she got a teddy bear that looked kind of like corduroy and made him Aww. little corduroy uh, overalls and shorts and uh, but was missing a button. So That is so sweet. Yeah, I had my very own. That was kind of one of the great things about my mom is she could really sew, and so she could make me things when they did not exist on the toy market. <laughs> oh, that's neat. Or she could save some money and just make her own knockoffs. Well, we did that as well. Right, right. I had more than one T-shirt made from, uh, like, curtain fabric. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I, my mom used to take my T-shirts and, like, stuff them and turn them into pillows when I outgrew them. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty sweet. I have no idea where they are anymore, but, yeah, I had a few, a few of those. nice. I had one that said BMX. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty cool to have today. It really would. So we mentioned the whales, uh, and I think we should get to that before we take our little break. The whales are those rigid uh, little ridges, W-A-L-E-S. I'm so glad you spelled it. Yeah, um, and it's uh, the, the higher the whale count, the smaller the, the little ridge is. So if you have worn one of those really fine uh, sort of like corduroy oxfords, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of them I, I, for myself. I don't mind the way they look. But I've never liked them for me personally. But that's about a sixteen whale. What don't you like about them? It's just not my bag. I'm not. I'm not big on collared shirts. Period. They they I see. ruffle my neck and my chin. Yeah. <laughs> um. I but that particular one you just described about the sixteen whale cord, I think, is typically called pin cord. Yeah, you have some of those, right? Uh, I do not, but I have to say, researching corduroy made me want to go buy some corduroy stuff. So I think it's in the offing. Yeah, my problem with my cords is they really wear out in the knees very fast. Yeah, and I'm not because even you're... a guy who spends a lot of time on his knees. You know? <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm not scrubbing floors much or anything. So I don't know what the deal is. Okay, well that's a mystery. I think we can go to a commercial break on. All right, we'll figure it out. Well, now when you're on the road. Driving in your truck, why not learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's Stuff You Should Know. Stuff You Should Know. All right. 
Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. Hey everybody, we're here to tell you about Viator, a tool that you can use to plan and book travel experiences around the world. That's right. The Viator app and website make it easy to explore 300,000 plus travel experiences so you can discover what's out there no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in. Yep, Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. That's right. You can also enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been on the experience that you're considering. Plus, you get free cancellation that helps you plan for the unexpected. Yeah, and Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know you'll get support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chuck, we're back. And um, let's talk a little more about how corduroy is made, right? Because this blew my mind when I finally saw some diagrams and I understood it. All right, let's hear it. So with a typical fabric, you take two different sets of yarns and you weave them together perpendicular to one another and you have fabric. Mm -hmm. When you're making a fustian, like a thicker, fluffier fabric, like say terry cloth or velvet or corduroy. Mm, terry cloth. You, it's very nice, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. You use a third set of yarn. And so what you have is that basic, you know, flat fabric. And then woven into the top of that is that thicker pile of fabric called the um, worst, right? Yes. Okay. And so just leaving it like that, you have something like velvet or, again, like terry cloth, which you love so much. But if you want to make corduroy, you take that, that um, fustian fabric and then you take a very sharp set of scissors or something like that and you cut a line all the way along the length of the fabric and what you've just done is created a two whale um, bolt of corduroy but that's no <laughs> one's gonna wear that right yeah and two whale bolt is a great band name by the way it is uh, that's funny because i was just gonna say the only person who'd wear that is somebody like flea from the red hot chili peppers <laughs> yeah. but he'll wear anything his pants as we've seen over the years um so you start making more cuts and more cuts. And like you were saying, depending on how supple or um, nice you want to make the fabric, the more cuts you're going to make. But uh, however many cuts there are, however many ridges there are per inch, that's the whale count. And that's 
kind of describes how thick the ridges are. But the point is, is when you make that cut, what you've done is cut that top uh, layer of fabric, the additional third set of yarn, and you've cut it into two, and you've exposed the other traditional two-yarn set of fabric underneath. Mm-hmm. And that's what corduroy is. It's a raised ridge that used to be all one complete set of yarn, and then there's valleys that are the fabric below. Yeah. I- I've been practicing this for <laughs> for days. That's good. And it still didn't go according to plan. Like, no. I want to— cut my thigh with the razor blade right now. <laughs> no. I'm so frustrated, Chuck. No, I think that was perfect, actually. What you end up with and how they actually refer to it in the industry is a three-dimensional fabric, a three-dimensional pile weave. Uh, and like you've mentioned, velvet and terry cloth are also three-dimensional fabrics. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty great. Um, they say in here uh, that you need to steam or fluff corduroy. Uh, I don't think that's the case, or at no. least I've never done that. No. Only a Brooks Brothers would do that. Uh, but I do have a pretty rockin' corduroy coat from back in the day. Uh, I mean, this thing is, I probably had it for 20 years, and I got mm-hmm. it secondhand. And it is beautiful, and it's got a really fat whales on it. Mm-hmm. And I don't pull it out much anymore. It used to be my New York coat, but uh, I've evolved a bit since then. But I still have it, and it's it's really a nice coat. That is, yeah, I, I think I know the coat you're talking about. I'm either confusing you or, or Joe McCormick has one that he likes to rock a lot. Mm, it's probably Joe because I haven't worn mine in years. Okay, but you got yours secondhand mm-hmm. 20-something years ago. Yeah. So that would have coincided roughly with the last corduroy revival. And the first one I remember was in the 90s. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, they were big in the 50s, certainly in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And then in the 90s, I think that's when I got this thing. And I got two. I got one shorter one that had a narrower whale. Right. And then this longer one that has the big fat whales. And I think I still have both of them. Is it like a trench coat, a corduroy trench coat? Yeah, it's like a long corduroy coat with the wow. big brown buttons and like a wool uh, lapel. Is it like, like a, a barn coat or something? A what? A barn coat. I'm not sure what that is. It sounds like what you're describing. You're going to have to wear this in someday. Yeah, yeah, okay? I'll bring it in. All right, cool. I'll Just bring it, it in for show and tell. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, so it was kind of big in the 50s, really took off in the late 60s, and then really huge in the 70s, and then went nowhere until the 90s. And then I guess this thing said in the 2010s it came back, or the 2000s it came back in, which I was not aware of that at all. Well, I've always rocked the cord pants, uh, but over the years it has ranged from uh, like school uniform fabric to, uh, in World War One, low-ranking soldiers wore it. Mm-hmm. Uh, workwear, if you worked in like a factory, because the stuff is pretty warm. Right. Because it's thicker. And it's durable, too. Yeah, very durable, except in the knees. And um, <laughs> and then it's, you know, sometimes it's also been looked at as, as something a little fancier. Right, which it apparently originally was. It was sportswear for the upper class. Um, and then somehow just kind of fell out of favor and became associated with the working class and the lower classes. And then it's, it just kind of stayed that way until, like, I think starting in the 20s. For a little while there, it was pretty common as um, upholstery for cars. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yeah, I have seen a car upholstered in corduroy, and it's pretty awesome. I'll bet it's pretty awesome. The only way that could be any better is if there were, like, patchwork corduroy yeah, car seats. Yeah, and now I know the jacket that you're talking about that is Joe's, for sure. Yes. I I've think it even wearing. has elbow patches. Yeah, his is more like a blazer. Sure. Not a duster like yours. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else you got? 
I got nothing else, man. I support corduroy. I uh, like knowing a little bit more how it's made. Yeah. And uh, I say wear it. It's never out of fashion. Up with corduroy. Agreed. Um, if you want to know more about corduroy, by the way, check out uh, Heddles, dot com. They have something called Corduroy. Read Between the Lines of the Whaled Fabric by James Smith. And it has a picture that will finally explain better than I possibly could how corduroy is made. Very simply. Yes. Okay, well, uh, see you guys later because short stuff is out. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.